Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Genesis chapter 15. And, um, you know, it's, it's good for us to be in the Old Testament like this. We're in the book of Genesis all summer, and, and, and sometimes as we, um, in, in, in the American church, sometimes in our modern days, we, we overlook the, the Old Testament. We, we tend to spend so much time in the New Testament, and, and, and that's, the New Testament is a phenomenal place to be, but, but, but we, we shouldn't overlook the, the Old Testament because the Old Testament points to Christ. And the Old Testament is filled with incredible examples for us to, to follow and lessons for us to learn. And, and, uh, and this morning, we're, we're going to uh, look at a man named Abram, a character in the Old Testament that has so much to teach us about Christ, about salvation, about, about God. And, 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 you know, you may have heard of Abram. You know, the, if you're in Bible school, you know, Abram, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham, you know the song? Uh, and he actually had two sons, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, but, but he had a lot of descendants. And, and, and so that's where we get that song. And, and, and Abram was, was this an incredible example because, because God made promises to him and then God proved himself over and over again in his life. And, 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 you know, the, the heart behind this series, and I want us to catch, and I don't want us to miss this, we, we, need, to, we need to be passing these stories along to our kids. Um, you know, I love the idea, uh, a thousand generations are impacted by these, thousands of generations are impacted by these stories, and, and our, our next generation should be impacted. We just got back last night from vacation, and, and, um, and I loved what we did. We had 16 people in one house. Uh, that was, that'll make you pray sometimes. Um, and, um, but <clears throat> we were, every day, my father-in-law, would, we would gather around every morning um, with the whole family, and we'd look at some of these Old Testament stories. And, um, and, and, you know, we need to pass these stories on. And I've loved, I loved it how Abram this morning, I pray that God uses it in our lives because, because we need to engage this man. And, and, and God proved himself over and over again. And, 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 and aren't you glad God does that? Aren't you glad that God proves himself in our lives? over and over again. I mean, he did this for us Friday night. I mean, Friday night, it was our last night on the beach, and, and uh, you know, we were packed up, and, and Robin wanted to go kiss for a while on the beach, and I said, no, honey, we need to go pray. And, uh, and, and so, um, so we went down to the beach for a moonlight walk on the beach. And uh, that's right. Woo! And, uh, um, uh, but... But we really did go pray. But we kissed too. It was great. Um, but um, but as as but but as we were walking on the beach, we couldn't we couldn't get away from the beauty of God's creation. It was a clear night, and it, the the and and the the waves knew exactly where to stop. And let me tell you something. That wasn't an accident. Creation is not an accident. I mean, you can't look up into the stars and go, wow, an explosion just made that happen. Cool. No, no, that was a designer. God said, stop right there, ocean, and it stopped. And, and the moon is there. And in and, and the rhythm of the waves, we just couldn't get over the creation of God. But, but, but also, you know what was amazing? As we walked up and down the beach praying, saying, God, here's what we're concerned about. Here, here's, here's, uh, here's what we're worried about. Here's, we took to God the details of our lives. 
And, and see, God, in, in even that very opportunity that we can go to the Lord with all of our details, that God sees us, that God knows us, that God, God recognizes me, little old me, and, and little old you. He sees us. It, it, it's just one of those moments that, that, that proves over and over again that, God, you're with me, and, and, and you're not distant from us. You're close to us. And, and Abram is this incredible story of how, how God spoke to a man, and, and God made a promise to a man, and then God kept his promise. And we need to know this story. This story is so cool. And so let's stand and read it. Genesis 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 21. And this is such an incredible moment in this man's life and and in our lives, in our story of God meeting with us. It says this, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a male, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions." As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a a smoking fire pot and flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates and the land of the Kenites, of the the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, let's look at this. This is such a crazy, cool moment. Um... You know, in this passage, um, we, we, need to, 
we need to understand the significance of this encounter. Now, now before we move on, let's, uh, let me just say that, that we live in this sophisticated world, don't we, in 2018? We want to explain everything. And, and, and when, when you hear somebody say, God met with me and God spoke to me, a lot of people go, really? Come on, man. You think God, God really spoke to you? Okay, whatever. You know, but, but let, me, let me remind us, let's remind, be reminded that all through history, God has spoken to people. That God, has, God has revealed himself to people. God, I'm praying God speaks to us today. And, and here's, the, here's the reality. God is at work in people's lives. And so point number one is so important. We need to look out for personal encounters with God. And this is what Abram's doing. Verse 1, look at this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God spoke to him. Now, this is something that God does a lot. He's done it all through history. I believe it's going to be something he does today. Now, how does God speak? Well, we know this, that God speaks through his spirit. I mean, when Jesus went to the cross and he, he rose from the dead, appeared to his disciples, and what did he say to them? He said, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to the, the, the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit will be here. And he's going to speak to you. He's going to be your teacher. And, and the Holy Spirit is at work. And God speaks through his Holy Spirit. And this is why I pray we are a people that pay attention to the voice of God and we allow God to move us and that we don't reject that moment when God speaks to our hearts. We move every time God tells us to move. God speaks through the Spirit. God, God also speaks through people. And, and we've seen this through, the, through our own lives, through the history of the world, that God will speak through people. There have been times in my life that, that, that God has used somebody to speak to me. I mean, there have been times I've, um, you know, I've had Sunday school teachers and, and preachers and, and those kind of things. God speaks through people. I mean, people have come up to me and said, oh, Chris, how, how did you know to preach on that? I'm like, I didn't. That, that's just the, the Holy Spirit using maybe a life or maybe something that, that, that I've said. And, and I'm, you know, God speaks through people at times. God speaks through circumstances at times. We, we go through tough circumstances at times, and God will speak through that. There's a group of ladies that are starting a podcast for ladies in our church, and, and their first interview was uh, 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 Amber Hudler, who talked about how God used these circumstances in my life to speak to me. God does this. God speaks through the church. And this is why when we come into worship like this, and, and I'll say all the time, I'm not talking at you. We're gathering together around the Word of God saying, Lord, speak to us. Because I need this just, I mean, I'm speaking with you, not at you. And, and, and see, we need this because God uses the church. And what's amazing is that, is that God has a specific message for our church for this church. I mean, I mean, outside of Calvary um, in Tulsa right now where Rob Lewis is teaching, it's our second campus, they're in Genesis 15. But, but God has a specific message for us today in this room and the people watching. And I love it how God is at work like that. It's cool. God speaks to the church. And, but here's what you need to understand, that when he speaks, he never contradicts his word. Never will God speak in a way that contradicts what he has said in his word. Never. Like when I was a youth pastor, there was a guy, my uh, student, his dad came to me and said, hey, uh, I just want you to know God told me to leave my wife and marry this other woman. And I was like, no, he didn't. 
that was the burrito you ate last night, and you need to take some medicine for that because that's not, that's not God. God would never say something that contradicts his word. That's why we need to know the word. That's why it's so important for us to be a group of people that know what the Bible says because we need to know it. Now, um, what's, what's cool is that God has spoken to Abram several times. Like if you look, look back at chapter 12, God had spoke to Abram and, and said, look, I want you to leave your family. I want you to go to this land that I'll show you. In, in chapter 13, look back with me at 13. Uh, turn, turn just back um, one, a couple chapters. In verse 14, here's what the Lord said to Abram after, uh, after Lot had separated from him. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, and eastward, and westward. For all that the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and the breadth of the land. I will give it to you. God spoke to him. But, you know, I heard, I heard one pastor say it like this. This is how you can describe Abram's life. And this is, this is so crazy uh, when you think about his life, what God said to him. You can describe Abram's life like this. When he was at home growing up, God said, Abram, get up. I want you to go. And Abram said, okay, God, where? I'll tell you later. Just go. Okay. And then we see that God says, Abram, in verse chapter 13, I'm going to give you a land. Okay, where? Where, God? I'll tell you later. Just, just trust me. Okay, okay. And then we see, we know his life, uh, we see in chapter 15, I'm going to give you a son. You know, chapter 13 says about his son. But he's struggling with this whole idea because he's older. And and he's like, God, how are you going to make this work? How am I going to have a son? I'll tell you later. Okay, okay. And then we see finally in chapter 17, if you study the whole picture of Abraham, Abraham, he, he finally gets a son, Isaac. And, and he's, God says to him, I want you to go sacrifice your son. And Abram's like, why? I'll tell you later. Okay. So he takes Isaac and gets all the wood. And he's like, let's go, buddy. And he goes. That, that's the beauty of Abram's life. Like, look at verse 6 in, in chapter 15. Verse 6 is a, well, well let's, let's say this. Let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. What I love about Abram is he is this man that said, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to trust you. Do you know one of the flaws in our, in our American church is that we want to know all the answers? We, we want to see it before we act. But, but God has called us to live by faith, not by sight. But think how often we are tempted. No, I, I need to see how it's all going to work out. I need to see how we're going to pay for all that. I need to see how all this is going to come, come together. But no, the Lord says, I want you to live by faith, not by sight. Now, now, thankfully, Abram is, I mean, if you really study his life and re- read chapter 12 through really 19, we're going to be in 18 and 19 next week on Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a tough passage, not G-rated next week, so just be ready for that. But, um, but Abram is a flawed man. He made some incredible errors, but yet he was still willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to live by faith. And 
Verse 2, look at it. Abram says, he, he questions, and, and I want you to know it's okay to question God. God is, God is big enough to handle your questions. You may have come in here today, and you're like, I'm going through stuff, and I don't know, I don't know how it's going to work out. That's where Abram lived every day. He says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? I'm childless. He says, I only have an, a, a, a relative that's going to be my heir. And, and then it's interesting, verse 4, God says, go outside. I want you to go outside. He goes outside. He goes, look up at the sky. I saw a night like that. It might have been a night like Abram saw, Friday night. Clear sky. Count the stars if you can count them. Isn't that a cool question? If you can count them, buddy, count them. You're going to not be able to count them. I'm going to make you a promise that, that your offspring is going to, it's going to be blessed. And look at verse 6. Genesis 15, 6, it is a famous verse of Scripture. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Isn't that cool? Abram just said, okay, God, I'll believe you. I think about how many times in my life God has spoken to me, and I'm like, yeah, God, I don't know if I believe you. I'm going to doubt you. But what's a miracle, the reason we need to know this story about Abram, he believed God. He trusted God. He said, God, I'm going to believe you. Now, this verse, Genesis 15, 6, it's referenced at least four times in the New Testament. I'm going to give you real quick the references. It's not on the screen or anything, but Romans 4, 3, Romans 4, 22, Galatians 3, 6, James 2, 23. Uh, this is referenced in the New Testament because Abram, he exercised faith. Now, He's this incredible example of a man who does this. Now, point number two is this. Every believer is required to exercise our faith. Now, now when's the last time you exercised faith? You took a step of faith. You trusted the Lord. You know, sometimes we think, as, as a student, I've seen students go, Lord, I can't walk with you at school because that will be embarrassing. Or, or I can't uh, take a stand for you because I'll be ostracized. Those, those may be true. But I'll tell you what, you, can tr- you, you should trust the Lord. Most of the pain in my life comes from when I don't trust the Lord. And, and see, Abram, he learned to exercise his faith, his faith and, and live by faith. I remember in college, there's a, there was a Bible study that I went through called Experiencing God. I think you can still get it today. Henry Blackaby wrote it, and and. And, and, and he taught me, God used him to teach me about faith, that faith always produces a crisis. He calls it a crisis of belief, that, that belief in Christ, when you ever get to a moment where you are exercising faith, recognize it will always involve a crisis. Because what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain about what you cannot see. And that we're to live by faith. The, 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 the life we're to live on a daily basis is a life of faith, not by sight. Now, notice here, and I want you to see this in verse 6. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him. God counted it to him as righteousness. Do you know that belief always comes before righteousness? That your faith will always come before righteousness, that God is, is going to often move us to trust him even when we can't see him. 
And this is the reality. I mean, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace that you're saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's, it's a work of God so no one can boast. That, that we're to live by faith, not by sight. We're to take steps of faith. Faith, always, belief always comes before righteousness. And here's something else I want us to see, that, that believing God is the only path to a passionate and lasting walk with Christ. That, that, that if... Here's a concern I have. As, as my years of youth ministry has taught me this, that, that if our kids grow up and all they do is ritual, they're, they're going to be bored in their walk with God. But if we can inspire our children to, to take steps of faith and take, and take steps into the unknown, that, that that will move our kids to realize, God, you're faithful. But, but we want to protect our kids too much. And this is a problem for us. I mean, I mean, like, for example, um, we have this false idea of protection in our lives. I mean, how many of you, uh, we just got back from family vacation. How many of you came home from a family vacation and you slept in the back window of a car? Anybody ever do that when you were growing up? Um, yeah. I mean, how did any of us survive, by golly? Now you have car seats. The kids are buckled in. They look like Christmas story guy. They're like this, like, I can't get up, you know, I can't move. Because we think we are in control. But let me tell you something. We, as parents, we need to help our kids take steps of faith. And that requires a parent taking a step of faith. It's like Erwin McManus said in The Barbarian Way, a book that I read. Erwin McManus is a pastor. And, and his son asked him, Dad, would you ever put me in a situation that's unsafe? And his dad said, absolutely, I would. And, uh, and, and I was like reading that with little kids going, what? You'll put your kids in a situation that's unsafe? And then he said, how many of us have ever asked God, God, would you ever put me in a situation that is unsafe? And the answer to that question is absolutely he would. And for us as a mom and dad, Robin and I kissed Emily goodbye and put her on a plane to Spain in a place we've never been to people we've never known. And said, hey, we're praying for you, babe. She's home, thankfully, sitting right there. I'm glad. It's the answer to prayer that we got her home. But, but you know what? We're, it's these moments that cause Emily and Chris and Robin to live by faith, not by sight. And I'll tell you, we've got to learn to live by faith. That's why Abram's so cool, because he's this example of living by faith. Look what he says in verse 8. But he says, but he's, he's struggling with it. He says, oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How am I going to know that you're going to come through? And what does God say? Verse, 10, verse 9, he says, I want you to go get these animals. Go get these animals and, and bring them to me. And so what does he do? Verse 10, he brought all these, all these animals here. He cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he didn't cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now what's going on there? I mean, how did Abram know what to do? God didn't tell him cut them in half. But he just does it. He cuts them in half and lays them out. Well, um, we're not from this culture, so it's hard for us to grasp this. But we need to understand this for a second. Like, for example, if, if we're going to, um, re- before we went to Israel in June, Robin and I updated our will. And so we met with a lawyer, and we got all our papers drawn up. And then what did the lawyer say to us? They, she goes, okay, sign. And we signed our name as a pledge, as a contract saying this was ours, okay, when, when we bought a house in Owasso. 
I mean, goodness gracious, you're signing papers. You're like, whatever, man, just give me the papers. Well, they're saying sign because that's our form of contracts. We will sign our name saying, look, I will fulfill my part of the bargain. A, a, a marriage, you know, weddings, they sign the marriage license saying, look, I am putting my name on the line. In this culture, in Abraham's culture, they didn't have signed contracts. They acted out their contracts. So what does Abram do? God says, go get these animals. Abram goes, okay, and he slaughters them. And he puts them in piles. And, and he has the doves. And, and, and this is a form of acting out a signed contract. And, and this comes back from all, I mean, this is evident in, in this culture. In Jeremiah 34, 18, it says this. It tells this. I'm not going to read it, but... but um, but what Abram is doing, Abram understands God is wanting to form a contract here. And, 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 and look what happened. Verse, verse, Abraham prepares everything. Verse 12, it, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell on him. Now, it's hard to understand what's going on, but there's a ceremony about to happen. That, that Abram knows, okay, this contract is about to be signed, if you will. We're about to demonstrate this contract. And, and, and Abram knows that, he, that they're going to have to walk through this saying, okay, when I pass through these dead animals, may I be like these animals if I don't keep my word. That's the point of this contract. Now, can you imagine if we started doing that at our weddings today? Hey, honey, oh, so we're going to sign this. Give me your dog, and we're going to cut this bad boy in half. And, and I'm just kidding. That's bad visual probably. But, um, but, but Abram knows. I'm getting ready. The, the contract is about to be signed. That, that okay, I'm going to have to keep my part of the bargain. God's, gonna, God's made a promise, but look at what happens. This fear comes on Abram. This darkness comes on him. And what's interesting is, is I felt this in my life. I, have you ever realized, God, I don't know if I can measure up to what you've required. God, I don't know if, I, I think you're faithful because you're God, but I don't know that I can do this. I, I, it's hard to fully understand this fear that came on him. But, but then the, verse 13, the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in this land that is not theirs and will be servants there. He's predicting Egypt. Your, your, your ancestors are going to go to Egypt, and they're going to come out with great possessions. And guess what happened? That's exactly what happened. They came out of Egypt with great possessions. He says, as for you, you're going to go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried in a good old age. They shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And, and Abram's having this moment, and, and, and look at what happens next. All of a sudden, verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Now, it was common. This, this is so crazy. 
And I, and I hope, hope I can do this justice because Abram is worried. Abram's afraid. Abram's got this darkness on him. And all of a sudden, in this moment of darkness, this flash of lightning. I saw lightning coming you know, like when it, in, the, in the west when I was coming to church this morning. It was unbelievable. And huge deal of lightning. Imagine lightning striking and it keeps its form. Now, that'd get your attention, wouldn't it? If a lightning goes, you know, and this form stays right there. And Abram's going, whoa, smoke's everywhere. What is that? It's the presence of God. God shows up and God passes through the pieces. And guess where Abram? Abram stays put. Abram doesn't pass through the pieces. It was common at that day that, that you would both pass through the pieces saying, look, I'm going to keep my word, you keep your word. But God says, Abram, stay right there. Boom, I'm going through in smoke, in fire. And, and then what is God saying? God's saying, I'm going to keep my end of the bargain. Think about this. The almighty God, the one who cannot die, the one who is eternal, the one who's omnipotent, says to Abram, may I be like these animals if I don't keep my word. But then he says to Abram, you don't have to walk through because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help you keep your word. I got all this. Now, you know what's crazy? Point number three is this incredible reality that God establishes, maintains, and keeps every covenant he makes. God does this. Now, this was the old covenant that God was saying, I'm making a covenant with, with your, your descendants, Abram. You know what's amazing is we went to Israel this year and we flew to the land that God promised to Abram, to the people that God established. And, and what, what's amazing is one of our experiences when we were in Israel, we went to the Holocaust Museum. They have a Holocaust Museum there and, and it's so moving. You, you have to go through that if you ever go. Um, and, and it's just so crazy, the, the tragedy of, of the Jews, tr the annihilation of the Jews. And all through history, people have tried to annihilate the Jews, haven't they? But guess what? They've never been successful. Why? Because God made a covenant with Abram. And what's crazy is he said, look, it's not going to, I'm going to keep it. And he has. Now, you know what else this picture is? And we got to see this. This is not just a picture of God's people, the, the Jewish people, Abraham's descendants. You know, it's also an incredible picture of the gospel. I mean, think about what Jesus did on the cross. Think about what God did in the new covenant. We have a new covenant now that, that Jesus said, I'm, I'm giving a new covenant in my blood. And, and when Jesus went to the cross, he, he took the punishment that you and I deserved. And, and, and it's almost like he said to us, I want you to be right here and you watch because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to shed my blood as a sacrifice for your sins. And, and Jesus took 
that punishment on himself. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was on, that, that was on him, the punishment was on him. By his wounds were healed. He took the punishment on himself. And Jesus went to the cross. And in that moment, the sacrifice was made. Now, now you've got to turn over to Hebrews chapter 6. Turn over there in your Bibles real quick. Hebrews 6. Because the writer of Hebrews talks about this as he's talking about Abram and the example of Abram. And in verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to skip down a bit because he talks about Abram earlier. You ought to look this up later. And this is so cool. Verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose... He guaranteed it with an oath that God made a covenant so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters to the, into the inner place behind the curtain. Remember the curtain of the, in the temple when, when it was ripped from top to bottom? He's talking about Jesus went behind that curtain and he was on the sacrifice. His blood was shed for us where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. And what I love about this is when I see this story of God keeping his promise to Abraham in the old covenant and then I recognize, you know, what? That's a picture of the new covenant that was given to us, that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. The writer of Hebrews says, that is an anchor for my soul. And folks, this is why I'm not tossed around by all these different ideas and religious beliefs. I'm like, no, I have an anchor for my soul, that, that because of Christ, because of what Jesus has done, I have hope in this life. And I know that, that even though things happen that I don't understand, even though there are moments in life where God acts and I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand why I, we have to go through that. I don't understand that situation. God says often, trust me later. I'll tell you later. And, and I, I'm, I've learned to say, Lord, I trust you in this life. I've learned to recognize that God's word is true and that, that when we live by his word, we will not fall like, like Matthew 5, 7 uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that, that when the rains come and the winds beat against our, our house because we put his word into practice, we will not fall. I have hope in this life. I have hope that, that God, when I rebel against you, it's not going to work out. When I honor you, it always works out. So, Lord, we're going to honor you. We're going to look to you. We're going to trust in you. We have hope in this life because of Jesus going to the cross for us. We have hope not only in this life, but do you know that we have hope in death? You know, all of us. I've had two phone calls this week about people that I love and know well. It's, it's cancer's back and you got three months. Hospice is here and you got days. 
But can I tell you something? Because of Jesus, we have hope in death. You know that this world is not our home? This world is not our our home. This is not the final destination for us. We're we're sojourners here. We're passing through this life. And, And when that call comes for all of us, I pray that we remember, Lord, you're faithful. You're going to keep your promise that your word is true. I have hope in death that, 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 I mean, this week was my 47th birthday. I'm getting old. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I saw a picture of myself this, uh, in Israel. I'm like, honey, I'm glad we're married because I'm bald now. Oh, my goodness. What happened? And, and, you know, I'm 47. I'm already past halftime in my life. But can I tell you, I sat there at 47, my 47th birthday, and I thought, man, life has gone fast. But let me tell you something, this is not our our home. It's not our home, folks. And I I pray that we see that, that God keeps his promise. That's why this story in Abram is so valuable for us, because God is faithful to keep his word. And he's going to keep his word to you and to me. We can trust him today. You know, most of the struggles come when I look at the Lord and say, God, I don't understand. And God says, yeah, I'll tell you later. And and I want to be one of those followers of Christ that say, okay, if you never told me, I'll believe you, and I'll trust you. How do you know him today? Are you following him today? Life's too short not to follow him. Teenager, follow Jesus. I'm telling you, that's where the hope is. That's where the lasting impact is. Don't just trust in your own efforts. Follow Jesus today.